In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. The sun is shining, the birds are singing. I hope you're smiling. I hope you have someone to tell you how much they love you. I hope you have something to do, something to look forward to, and someone to love. I want to talk to you today, my friends, about the psychedelic experience. I want to talk to you today about the times in which we live. And I want to talk to you today about the way in which you see these two things together. There is an incredible emerging, budding, new world of psychedelic medicine. And this particular medicine, be it MDMA therapy or psilocybin or LSD or cannabis, all of these substances are beginning to be known for the healing agents that they can be. Does that sound right? These substances are beginning to be taken seriously by the medical communities. I often think of psychedelics if you'll permit me a personification of these medicines, at least in the West, at least in the West, most of us who are in their 40s or 50s or older remember hearing stories, or maybe if you're a little older, maybe you actually lived in the times when psychedelics were introduced to the population. Back in the 50s, there was some research being done back in the 60s and 70s when the psychedelics got away from the labs and into the general population, there was 
some irresponsible use. There was the use by people protesting the Vietnam War. And there was a lot of short-sighted, irresponsible use. However, there was also an explosion of creativity. There was an explosion of insight. There was an explosion of love. Long story longer, the powers that be decided that this particular set of substances could be used to bring people in. It was decided that these substances are dangerous. It was decided that these substances should be classified as dangerous. And so they were. Psychedelics were shelved and put away and treated as if they were crack cocaine or heroin. Completely ignoring the potential that these particular substances have for well-being, for health, and being an agent that can help individuals cope with that which makes them suffer. Fast forward 20 years. In the 90s, Cannabis became a thing that was somewhat mainstream. Fast forward again. Cannabis becomes legal. The next step is psilocybin becomes legal. In the last decade or so, we've begun to see major institutions like John Hopkins University, UCLA, multiple multiple well-known, prestigious institutions have begun understanding how profound the psychedelic healing process can be. And that's where I want to begin our conversation is today, where we have seen this child or maybe adolescent form of psychedelics begin to bloom into an adult. And I think it's an apt metaphor. If you think about your adolescence, if you think about someone who is really intelligent and an adolescent, they do tend to get in trouble. They tend to push the boundaries. They tend to walk right up to the line and sometimes cross it. I think that is the nature. You know, maybe it's not the nature. Maybe it is our nature. Maybe it is our nature to test the boundaries. How many times have you heard that psychedelics are in fact something that causes boundary dissolution? It happens quite a bit. And where we find ourselves today, I see a very interesting dichotomy happening. In the world of plant medicine, in the world of psychedelic healing, in the world of practitioners and doctors and suffering and PTSD and all the MDMA and all these possible therapies beginning to bloom and bud into our consciousness and our world, I see two camps kind of evolving. And one camp is the camp of scientism. One camp is deathly afraid of psychedelics leaving the lab, leaving the practitioners, leaving the doctors, and going back out and reestablishing a connection with chaos. And so there is very stringent 
very strict guidelines from one camp to make sure that the psychedelic experimentation remains on the straight and narrow. The sort of IBM business model of wearing suits and this is something that must be documented and it must be utilized with logic and reasoning and we must deduce these effects into rational numbers that we can then go and explain to people using formulas exactly what's happening inside the brain. A very left brain scalpel-like logical approach to dissect and then explain what is happening. And you can see their point. These particular, this particular group wants to heal. They want to help. But they are the left brain, you know, logical, reduced down to the science, reduced down using the scientific method to explain exactly what it is that's happening. These are the people that believe science, scientism is the answer. And there's plenty of validity to their point. The next camp is what I call the spiritual camp. And here's a camp of people that have embraced the creativeness that psychedelics allow them to enjoy. This is also the camp that may not use the left brain logical scalpel-like intellect, but instead uses the right brain, the symbolic metaphor-forming creative side. And these are the people that have had experiences that sometimes scare the left side. They speak of rewiring the brain. They speak of meeting God. They speak of other dimensions and aliens and bejeweled, dribbling machine elves. And while both camps understand the power of psychedelics and they want what's best for their psychedelic experiments, they want to help people, they are opposed in some ways. One of those ways is who decides what the person that needs help should get? Let me try to clear that out a little bit. Let's say a man in his 20s who has spent time in Iraq or Afghanistan or even Ukraine, PTSD, maybe some horrible things happen and they're having nightmares. What should be the way in which that person is treated? Should they go to a regular doctor who prescribes them a set amount of psilocybin? Hey, take two of these and call me in the morning. Or should they sit down with a doctor who will sit there with them while they go through the process in a clinical lab, in a doctor's office, where they take their blood, they're hooked up to a machine, they got an EKG, they got a heart monitor, they're, they're being tested while 
they are on the substance. Blood work is done. A background check is done. A psychiatric evaluation is done during, after. Is that one way to do it? That seems to me to be one way that the hardline scientific camp would like to document the process. On the other side, we have the practitioner group who maybe wants to have or understands better the set and setting. Maybe a clinical hospital room is the wrong place to do something like this. Maybe the doctor who is used to being a general practitioner is not the same type of doctor that would be best for this young man's procedure or trip. And how do you decide who has the right to, dis to prescribe it? Because psychedelics are in this somewhat of a gray area. Should the patient be prescribed five different... Should the, should the patient get five sessions with a doctor? Or should the patient get one session with the doctor where he learns to understand what the trip is? And then maybe the second time the doctor watches and then the doctor teaches the patient how to do it himself so that he can do his own work on himself or herself. It's interesting to think about. For me, I'm in the middle. I, I find myself on the right brain creative side. I think it's best for the individual to confront their own demons and or learn what it is that is wrong with them in their own way. Now that being said, there's a lot of people that may need someone there in case they get scared. Perhaps there could be some sort of background check or some sort of checklist to look for at-risk behaviors. On the side of the left brain camp, you definitely wouldn't want a patient to take it and then have some sort of adverse reaction that could derail the process. It's a fascinating thing to think about. And I think the more you look into it, the more you see these two camps, scientific and spiritual, kind of merging. And I think it's interesting to think about the left hemisphere of the brain is this logical, analytical scalpel. The right hemisphere of the brain is this symbolic, spiritual, natural mystic and it's interesting to me that these are the two camps lining up on the new battlefield that is the psychedelic medicine ultimately I don't think the scientific camp will be able to get rid of that which they fear the most and I think that what the scientific camp fears the most is this idea of spirituality in the mind of the scien scientist, 
in the mind of scientism. There is no room for spirituality. There's only room for diagnosis and analytical measurement. I do not think you can take spirituality out of science. I think you can try. However, when you do that, I think you take away the experience. I like to think of myself on a bridge. And on the right-hand side is the camp of spirituality. And on the left-hand side is the camp of scientism. And in the middle of the bridge, if you picture yourself in the middle of the bridge and extending your hands to each side, beckoning forth an ambassador from both sides, the spiritual side and the scientific side. And there you are in the middle. I think that can be a psychedelic meditation to think about. You cannot take the spiritual nature out of science. And you cannot take the inquisitive questioning out of spirituality. You need them both. And when you're only in one camp, you only get one side of the story. In some ways, I'm hopeful that psychedelic medicine has the ability to reunite both camps, to understand that we are part of the whole. And I think it is the psychedelic experience that in the future going forward will unite us. I think for too long we've been divided. And I think the greatest leap forward for psychedelic medicine is this ability to open our minds and unite us as one. Be it MDMA or LSD or psilocybin, ketamine. They hold profound opportunities to heal us. And isn't it interesting that regardless of what side you're on, be it the scientific side, be it the spiritual side, both sides see the promise. It's almost as if it's this fire in the minds of men that we are gathering around. This remembering of who we are as a species. Psychedelics know no color. They know no they have no preconceived ideas of race or gender. They are something that dissolves boundaries. And while we should be careful, you know, when you think of Chesterson's, Chesterson's fence, has, there, has everybody heard of that? Chester, Chesterson's fence or Chesterton's fence? It's this idea that if you're out in the middle of a meadow and you see a fence, be it an old bob wire, rusty fence with some posts, you shouldn't tear it down because that fence was put up for a reason. Same is true of boundaries. We should respect people's boundaries. We should respect the fence. Maybe we don't need to tear it down. However, maybe we need to do a lot of investigation as to why this boundary was put there. There's a difference between tearing something down and investigating what it actually divides. 
think there's a lot to think about there. And I think we're in very exciting times in the world of psychedelic medicine. In some ways, we are still in our infancy. If you look at cultures in South America or the East, you can see that there have been millennia, I don't know if millennia, but there's been hundreds of years of use with these substances. And if you think about these plant medicines as a technology, those who have used the technology longer have a better grip on it. There's another camp that's out there. Speaking of South America and some of the older practitioners, if you read the literature, you find that in South America, people would go to the shaman or they would go to the medicine man with their problem. And those who were suffering never took the psychedelic substance. It was always the practitioner that took the psychedelic substance. It was the medicine man. He would take it. He would think about what it was the people were suffering from, and then he would help them. I don't see that being discussed anywhere. Perhaps that's because there's a lot of money being poured in from pharmaceutical companies to patent or package and sell these as drugs or supplements to help people. And there's no money in that way of an, one individual taking it, the doctor taking it, and then explaining to the people what the problem is. In fact, that might be a third option. You know, we said that if the individual comes and with the scientific camp, does his sessions inside of a clinic, and if he comes and does it with the spiritual camp, he learns to do it on himself. Perhaps if a person is showing a lot of at-risk signs and it is not wise for them to be, maybe they have a condition like schizophrenia or they have some sort of mental condition that where it's not advisable for them to do psychedelics. Maybe that's a case where the practitioner does the psychedelic substance, spends time with them, and then comes to the ideas that may help that person. Kind of a third way of doing it. Either way, I hold dear the future of psychedelics and plant medicine. I think that we are on the cusp of helping lots of people from suffering, be it loneliness or end-of-life trauma or Alzheimer's or family issues or PTSD. I think the future for psychedelics is bright and I think that there are a lot of incredibly intelligent, helpful, empathic people that are being called to help heal the world. What do you guys think? Let me know down. Let me know. Reach out to me in an email. It's G-E-O-R-G-E-P-M-O-N-T-Y at gmail.com. Let me know what you guys think. I'd love to hear from you. That's all we got for today. Let's get up and get out. Oh, <laughs>
Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years. Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.